Wouldn't it be fascinating to be able to talk to a teenager who could describe what it's really like to grow up with social media? The good, the bad, and the ugly? That's exactly what I get to do today. You guys, this is one of my favorite episodes because my guest is insightful, funny, and has a lot to say to parents about what's really going on with teens and phones. Best of all, she still is a teen, so she's right there in that world. This is a must-listen-to episode. Welcome to the Unplug and Plug-In podcast for parents, where we explore your relationship with technology, as well as how to help your child develop a healthy relationship with tech and screens, and most importantly, with you. I'm Lisa Honnold, founder and director of the Center for Online Safety, and our mission is to keep kids safe online. I'm also mom to three teens, so I'm right there in the trenches with you. Follow us now at centerforonlinesafety.com slash podcast. See you there. Hey, it's Lisa here. I've got a really special episode today. I get to talk to my daughter, Lauren, who recently graduated from high school and has a lot to say about teens and screen time and her perspective will be interesting for all of us, I'm sure. So let's dive in. Lauren, I thought it would be fun to start with sort of a personification of the different apps that teens tend to use, that you use, that others that you know use. It'd be fun to hear your perspective on if Instagram were a person, what would it look like? What would it be like? If Snapchat was a person, what would it look like? That kind of thing. Start with Instagram, please. Okay, so starting with Instagram, I would probably describe it as a neat freak. This isn't particularly anything interesting, original coming from me, but everyone knows that Instagram is sort of this highly edited, highly curated page that people go to show their best selves. So I use Instagram as a highlight reel, kind of. I want to show my best self. I want to show like maybe my graduation pictures or pictures of me and my friends. I definitely wouldn't use it for like my lowest lows or like if I check into a hospital, that's not where I'm going to go. But in terms of personality, if Instagram was a person, I would say it's really prissy, probably annoying, needy for others, validation. <laughs> I love that. Needy for others, validation. Okay. That kind of lines up with, yeah, what I've heard from other people and what I've seen from Instagram. That's funny. All right. So Compare that to a Snapchat. How does Snapchat, how is it different? Well, personally, I know Snapchat has like a, a story function where you can show pictures to like everyone that's in your contacts on Snapchat, but I never use it because it's kind of embarrassing to use it. So I kind of just use it as a messaging app. That's the easiest way for me to talk to my friends. And I also have like a different camera rule on there just because that's how Snapchat works. If you take a picture on the app, it'll save it just to the app. So yeah, I kind of just use it to talk to my own friends. I guess it would be kind of a more introverted person. Obviously, this is all dependent on how you as a person use it. Like if you're going to post more on it, of course, it's going to be more extroverted. But for me, personally, I see it as introverted. I'm not really sure. I think just I use it as a messaging app. Mm -hmm. And if you were to pick clothes for, for Instagram and Snapchat, what kind of clothes would they be wearing? Snapchat would probably be wearing sweatpants. Instagram would probably be wearing a brand new dress that they do not intend to be wear. Yeah, something yeah. super trendy. Well, yeah. 
something that really goes into the whole over-consumerism. Uh-huh. Okay. How do you decide if you're, if you want to do a group chat, how do you decide whether it's an Instagram or Snapchat thing for groups? A lot of people don't text on Instagram because they like to delete it a lot. Like when you hear people say they're going on a social media detox, sometimes it can include Snapchat, but mostly it includes like Instagram and TikTok and some of those bigger social media pages. Generally, I try to make group chats on Snapchat just because people are more likely to check it. And Instagram can be really distracting because you're not going on Instagram to check messages. You're going on it to look at the different pictures. Okay, so just by the way that Instagram is set up where it shows you other people's feeds, it tends to get distracting. And for Snapchat, you're going there to check messages and see what's new. So it makes sense to do group chats on there. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, cool. Thanks. So what about TikTok? If TikTok were a person, how would they dress? What would they be like? You know, TikTok started as sort of this place where people, like anyone, can get famous. That was sort of this, that was the lure for a lot of people back in, I would say, 2019 or 2018. Obviously, now it's a lot different, partly because, you know, it's gotten to be such a social media giant, but also just because already famous people have come on. I would say they probably still continue to dress in like hoodies and sweatpants. It's a pretty casual app, depending on what side of it you're on. I would say TikTok is pretty toxic and that's definitely the app that I tend to take little social media breaks off of the most because on half of it, you'll see, you know, the comedy central type stuff that you think is funny or maybe like hairstyle ideas. That's one of the main reasons I go on because I like to see like the advice and stuff like that. But on the other half of it, you'll get this totally unsolicited quote unquote body checking and stuff like that that can really induce like an unhealthy side of your mental health. So definitely that is the one that I would stay away from the most. Wow, that's fascinating. I didn't think you were going to say that. Tell us more what body checking means. So body checking is a thing that I've seen mostly on TikTok. It has a very sly nature because to an audience, it looks like they're just trying to show you their outfit or a get ready with me type video. But what the person is actually trying to do is show off how skinny and well nice their body is. And it can really induce like eating disorders, especially in girls and things like that. And it's pretty unhealthy. Is body checking then something that the video creator is doing? It's something they're doing where they're showing, they're showing off or almost bragging on video. Is, is that it? Yes, but they're not doing it through words. They're doing it through actions. Like they're sucking in or they're turning their body to the side in different angles just to show how bony they can be and things like that. Got it. And your feed would be different than a teen, say an 18-year-old boy's feed. But would you say it seems to be worse for girls? For TikTok specifically, yeah. I only have, I don't have that much social media and I'm obviously not as much on the side that guys are. So it's difficult for me to say, but I don't know. Okay. Thanks. TikTok's algorithm is so different than the other, the earlier social media. It's interesting to think about what you just said, that it's the most toxic for you. For me, it's the most fun just because of the feed that I have and the, the, the 
algorithm knows what I want. And it doesn't show me that stuff probably based on my age and the things that I've watched before. Well, it gets complicated because I think my generation tends to text more online than you do. For For sure. Especially just because, you know, I have a boyfriend and things like that. If I feel upset about something, I'm going to text him about it because often he can't call and he lives a little further away. So if I felt insecure about like my face, for example, I might text him about that. But because TikTok takes our data, they're going to see, you know, those keywords of being insecure and they're going to be more likely to put that out of where you page. Got it. That feels so manipulative, like they're taking advantage of personal information, which we both know that they do anyway, but it just feels so invasive. So I want to switch gears and obviously we're not here to talk about your experience personally, but just to talk in general. I've got two questions for you and they're kind of the flip side of each other. One is regarding social media, where do you think parents are over worried or worried too much and then where do you think they should be focusing more that's a difficult question i'd be interested in hearing your perspective first where do you think they're over focused okay good one i would say where are parents under focused i think in general parents are still under focused in seeing the risks at all. So I would not say that there's anywhere where I'd say, okay, you can cool it on that particular worry. I think we as a generation should come together and make sure before a child gets their first phone that we've really thought through what they have access to and how we're going to prevent some of the bad things. So uh, I don't think there is an area that parents are over-focused in as far as where they should be focusing. It's it's just what I said. It's making sure before that phone is in a, a kid's hands that they've thought through what they can access and block some of the things like downloads and talk with their child or their teen about, you know, what this means and the expectations around having a phone. That was kind of an adult answer to your question. Well, to be fair, I just had my 18th birthday, so they're both adult answers to your question. (laughs) But I agree with you. I think that parents are a bit under-focused on consciously deciding what age kids should be before they have their phone. It was interesting. You and I, we had that presentation at the elementary school, that assembly. Mm -hmm. And like half of the kids, and maybe even two-thirds of the kids there... Who were, I think they were sixth graders. They were fifth and sixth grade. Fifth and sixth graders. And they mostly had phones. The teachers said 90% of them had phones. Really? And I was super surprised by that number. Yeah, I was shocked. Um, I got mine phone relatively early for my family, which was, I was 12. And I got it for quote unquote art purposes because I got to take pictures of my art. And well, I did. Let's, let's be clear. Your family didn't give you that phone. And it's a family friend. <laughs> I, I think that age was good. But when you put it into perspective of fifth and sixth graders getting it, I, I think that I had a pretty happy life as an elementary kid. And I don't think a phone would have helped that too much. I think I lived in the moment and it helped give me the tools to continue living in the moment, you know, as a high schooler and in the future as a college student. 
Thank you. That's a good perspective. We gave Lauren a phone when she was 13. But yeah, before that, she had a phone that was supposed to be, it was an iPhone that had some art apps on it that had access to more things than I even knew at the time. So that's how we started out totally accidentally with the phone thing. And she's our oldest. So by the time the second and the third came around, we had a little more structure around what was going to happen. Well, yes, but still thinking about being in fifth grade or being in fourth grade even and having a phone, that kind of scares me because most of those people are going to be downloading social media apps because for a lot of people, that's kind of the point of having a phone. Mm -hmm. Like Instagram, I would say is probably one of the social media apps that most of them are going to download. You know, digital footprint aside, just having the, those eyes on you from that young of an age, it kind of freaks me out. I agree with what you said. Kids should be kids. Kids shouldn't be comparing, you know, even having that come into their idea frame, comparing each other, comparing themselves to influencers and spending hours uh, on social just doesn't make sense for fourth, fifth, sixth. Let them be kids. When you think, when you look at, say, middle school and high school kids, do you think there's certain ages that they tend to be more wobbly on social media? Like they tend to get into more trouble or go exploring where they shouldn't. Do you think there are certain ages that that happens more? Yeah, totally. I think that seventh grade and eighth grade and ninth grade are pretty wobbly times just because it's sort of the beginning of high school. You're kind of mature, but you're also very much so not. And you're navigating social media more than you were as a little kid and you're navigating, you know, the actual social world way more than when you were a little kid. And there's more pressure as an incoming high schooler. I think, yeah, those are the ages that I would say are more iffy. That totally makes sense. You know, in middle school, that's a, that's a time when kids try on so many different identities and they might wear different clothing and hang out with new friend groups, and they're really exploring who they are, who they want to be in this next phase. And then perhaps they're doing that in ninth grade too. Maybe there's a new school or a different group of friends. Yeah, that's what I see too is seventh, eighth, ninth is wobbly. And if they get phones before seventh grade, that's also wobbly. And we're starting to get research that shows uh, that that's true worldwide even. The UK just did a study that was a large study that showed 11 and 12 year old girls and 14 to 15 year old boys, basically kids in puberty were really wobbly. If they used social media, they had a lot more issues than those that were not going through puberty. And then a second point of struggle with social media was when kids leave the house, which is interesting. 18, 19 is also a point of, you know, kids are leaving the house, they're going to college, they're getting jobs, they're going to the military. All of these changes and without the structure of living at home creates a cycle, a wobble point that can happen. And it's good for parents to be aware and, and, you know, put some extra structure in both of those periods of time. Last questions for you. What's the best thing about social media and what's the worst thing about social media? What do you love? What do you hate? From a perspective of someone who spent about two years in the COVID-19 pandemic without school and without, you know, that structured social time every day, I would say that the best thing about social media is that it helped me sustain those friendships that I 
honestly kind of physically abandoned after March 15th, 2020. It really helps me maintain them and feel like I'm still in touch. That being said, at the time, I also was in my letter sending phase. I would send a lot of letters to my friends, but I would say that the best thing about social media right now is it helps me keep up with what's going on. It keeps me up with current issues and helps me maintain friendships, especially because some of my friends are still really, really concerned about COVID-19. Okay, that totally makes sense. For the last couple of years, our whole world has turned upside down. And social media really has kept us connected in a different way when we couldn't be connected physically. What about what you don't like so much? I kind of mentioned this already, but how TikTok sort of picks up, intercepts your in insecurities, and then just really preys on them. Specifically TikTok, I would say. I haven't really noticed this with Instagram, although if you want to correct me, go ahead. That's interesting. There is a lot more studies about Instagram and mental health, especially teen girls and mental health decreasing or suffering as a result of Instagram specifically. So to hear you talk about TikTok preying on those insecurities, your wording is completely accurate. And it's something that I'm sure research is going to come out on. There just isn't as much as there is with the Facebook files and Instagram currently. So I really appreciate your perspective because it's not, it's not one I've had. So I appreciate knowing more about TikTok and uh, some of the sort of the, the underbelly of this fun dance app that many people love to know that that's not all that there is. Lauren, I am so grateful for our time together. Listeners, I would love to hear what you got from our conversation. If you've got more questions for Lauren, who just graduated from high school. And if you want me back. And if, that's just what I was going to say. If, she, if she's willing to come back, I would love to keep this conversation going. I love spending any time I can with my daughter. I would love to continue this. So let me know what you got from this episode. Lauren, I appreciate and love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, everyone. We had fun with this episode. If you had fun with us or you learned something or you had an aha moment, would you go over and give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast? Give us a five-star review. Let us know that you are right there with us. Follow us for more in your podcast app. If you'd like to learn more about what we're doing at the Center for Online Safety, you can visit us at centerforonlinesafety.com. Our blog is full of articles to help you parent through this digital time. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>